podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Uh, Sunday evening, I just wanted to jump on, number one, because I wasn't doing much uh, today. Today was a nice, relaxed day. Got to watch a bit of TV, got to spend some time with kids. And and uh, then Fabrizio Romano decides to throw, uh, basically decides to throw a little bit of a breadcrumb with regards to somebody called uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Doku from Stad Ren. Um. Very, uh, like, like as a player, you know, he's been he's been in on, on the radar in Europe for quite a while. I think for a lot of teams, um, prodigious young player coming through the coming through at Anderlecht. Um, I think he he was born in the Beerschot area, but he came he came through in in, in the Anderlecht academy. Uh, moved on to Stadrain, and um, as I say, he's been there for the last couple of years, um, creating quite a bit of a storm in uh, Ligue 1, and then uh, obviously been linked to quite a few teams recently. Um, Liverpool were linked with him after the Euros, and Aston Villa were linked with him today as a, as what seems to be a I hate calling it insurance policy because that's not what it is, but as a viable uh, opposing target should uh, something go awry with the Moussa Diaby um, uh, transfer at the moment. A lot of people are still confident about the Moussa Diaby transfer, and we're going to kind of stay away from talking about him in the main and that transfer at the moment we will obviously compare the two players we will take a look in a moment um obviously as you guys know i would have my statistics sheets up um but it's um yeah it's something i'd suppose to just bear bear in mind also there is that conspiracy out there that this is villa trying to force um uh force leverkusen's hand and that Leverkusen are trying to force Villa's hand with the Saudi bid, and Villa are trying to counter force. And to be honest with you, I don't even know how that works. I don't know what leverage Aston Villa have here other than, you know, walk away and 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 call Leverkusen's bluff if that is the case. But if Leverkusen aren't bluffing and that, and the Saudi club are, are are there, well then that just leaves them with a with a free shot at uh, Musa Diaby. So I I don't know. I find <clears throat> I find a lot of that stuff sensationalist. Um. May very well go on, but we've got absolutely no control over it. As I say, as I, I don't think the club has control over it. If um, if the if the if Leverkusen don't want to accept our bids, then what can you do? Only move on to your next target. And uh, um, with the scouting system that we have at the moment, I I, I don't really buy into this whole as well. This whole Manchi came in with a list of players. I think this uh. You know, a lot of these transfers and a lot of the scouting, a lot of the data analysis and all that has been going on for months and months and months prior to Manchi. Manchi obviously has his ideas and so on. But um, I think a lot of these players would have been, um, uh, maybe they wouldn't have been in the offering from the point of view of them being uh, attainable, I suppose, are thought to have been attainable. But the work would have certainly been done uh, on these guys you know, for months and months and months, sounding out agents, sounding out, uh, making sure that they were fit into a nice team and so on and so forth. Um, but anyway, that's that's going down another rabbit hole. And and the reason I brought it up was because Manchi's only been here since, he's only been here 16 days. Um, so uh, it's it's something to work consider. But I, I, I won't, I, I don't know, and no one can say anything. And it's very sensationalistic, I suppose, to go down the line of if this is counter bluff or uh, on top of bluff and whatever. 
I've got no data. I've got no no evidence of that. So I'm not going to speak to speak to it anymore. And um, with Jeremy Doku, yeah, let's take a little look at him. This isn't going to be a particularly long podcast. And usually when I say this, it tends to be 30 minutes or more. But I will go to your comments first. Um, yeah, where else? Where are we here? So Ian says he looks the real deal. My only issue with him is his dodgy hamstrings. For me, uh, it would be a great option to have from the bench. Uh, I can see uh, from the bench next season, I can see if we were to sell Bailey. Um, yeah, but I, I think for the money that they're going to want, I, th I think any team that sees a uh, Premier League team coming for a 21-year-old winger at the moment is going to put, um, like you're talking 35 million is going to be the probably the opening bid for this guy again as well. You know, so he's going to be in the same ballpark as the Abbey. Um, I don't think if we buy anybody of thirty-five million, I don't think they're a bench option. Um, uh, they they may very well be over over the course of the season, and they may start out off there. But you know, thirty-five million is still a, still a hefty wedge. And I know we talk about building out the squad. Um, but uh, you know, somebody like that who comes in under a new manager, I think, is is going to be inserted into the team. You mentioned about his hamstrings. Um, just one thing that I uh. I've mentioned on Twitter previously, he's missed 41 games over the last 24 months. Quite a lot. Quite a lot of games uh, when you think about it. Um, hamstring injuries, which uh, there was one, two, three, three hamstring injuries, which have kept him out for uh, 83 days in total, missing two, three, five, missing 14 games from hamstring injuries. He had two knee injuries as well, which kept him out for 58 days, missing 11 games. Calf injury in the dead leg as well, then in, in, in between with those, you know, over the course of the last two years. So he's a young player. None of those injuries were massively um, serious. Um, from any, I, I haven't been able to find uh, any notification that he had needed surgery on any of those. So they could just be uh, growing pain injuries or whatever you want to call them. But uh for a speedster player like this, you know, hamstring injuries do happen. And I know we're, we're in 2023 now. Hamstring injuries get, like, when you're older and you start to get them, yes, they're they're, they're an issue. But when you're younger and you get them, you, you can shake those off. Um, and cue all the sports scientists and all the physiotherapists to tell me the hamstring injury is as bad when you're six as it is when you're 36. Because um, that's probably true as well. And I'm talking out of my hat. Um, so let's take a little look at some of his statistics here as well. Uh, 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 where are my slides? Do, 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 do. Here we go. So, Jeremy Doku, as I say. Um, oh, actually, first, before I do, uh, and I'm brutal at this, this is why you could never be a professional broadcaster. I just want to say thanks to those three names that you see under there, our partners for the podcast. Um, partner with Fanatics again this year. And if you guys do want to buy any Villa merchandise, I know the training gear, a lot of people are kind of uh, licking their lips at the training gear. We will have a podcast link for that. It's not going to be any money off the, off the training gear, but anything that you do purchase, if you're going to purchase it anyway, we do get a kickback and stuff like that. It helps us run the podcast. Um, you know, we're not doing this for fame, for fame or fortune, but it helps us keep the servers running in the background, if that makes sense. Also, Gym Plus Coffee, somebody we've gotten on board with this year. I still haven't done any promotional material for Gym Plus Coffee. They sponsor and they provide, provide gear to the Aston Villa women's team as well, an Irish company. And uh, they are a, a cracking company as well. If anybody is interested in looking up, looking up them as well, you can reach out to us. We have a code for those as well. And also to our podcast partners as well, the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you're looking for any any sport, really, you know, there's cricket on at the moment, I, I hear, over in uh, over in Blighty. And um, you guys are... Are you guys winning? 
I don't know. Damn, I should have kept my mouth shut about cricket because I don't know whether whether England are, are beating Australia in the ashes. But there's some really good cricket podcasts on there with famous ex-cricketers, I'm told, as well, uh, on the so- Sports Social Podcast Network. You never know. Look, if you're stuck for something after listening to this and all the rest of the brilliant Aston Villa podcasts, you'll find a sport that will tickle your fancy in the Sports Social Podcast Network. And also, you'll find opposing fans' views, maybe if you want to, listen to what they're saying about us before we play them during the course of the season as well. So it's nice to be nice to these guys as well. They've reached out to us. They've set up stuff with us. And, um, you know, uh, in the world that we live in at the moment, um, it's nice to be appreciated as well by brands. Um, and these are three brands that, you know, I, I've have good time for. I use and I, uh, um, and, and I have no problem standing over as well. So just a little bit in that, as I say, I never really do it um, because uh, I'm not used to it. But we'll move on anyway towards Jeremy Doku. So let's just, first of all, I suppose, give a moment towards this line graph that we have over here, this radial graph, because it's uh, it almost looks like if you were to draw a, a cannon coming out going from right to left, it almost looks like it's some sort of a tank. And that's a good way to describe, it's a good word to describe this guy. He's five foot eight. He's built low to the ground like myself. He's got that absolutely brilliant chiseled physique like myself as well. <clears throat> no, because if he did, we wouldn't be spending anywhere near 28 million on him. But he is built. He's a pretty, pretty strong player when you see him. In comparison to somebody like Amusa Diaby, who's a bit more spindly, um, uh, Jeremy Doku has a bit of meat in the bones. Uh, he's not in the Damatrori, don't get me wrong, or anything like that, but you know, he looks a lot sturdier when he's there. You think maybe back to an Obafemi Martins or something along those lines. I know, let's not mention that name for his blues connection, but still, um, that kind of type of stature and that kind of bullish build, uh, Jeremy Doku has something along those lines in, in, in comparison. So I have him down here as a wide receiver and a forward, and I'm kind of regretting putting him down as a forward. I should have really put him as a wide, a wide receiver, hear me, a winger or or a forward. Um, I probably should have put him as a wide midfielder, should I say, more so than a more so than a forward, because potentially he could end up playing as a second striker, but it's not really going to be his gig, I think, uh, when he comes to the Premier League. Um, and even at times when you watch him, I, I watched him so. Today I spent some time watching Gaelic football here in Ireland. I, I was watching Kerry versus Derry. Um and then afterwards, I got watching some some footage on Jeremy Ducco. I've seen him before. He, I saw him when Leicester played against Rennes uh, this season in the Europa League. Europa League? Europa Conference? I can't remember which, which tournament it was. Um, I saw him in that game. He came on for, for I think he came on, uh, and obviously I've seen him tr- throughout the years. But I wanted to watch some more recent footage of him. And uh, I watched two games towards the end of the last season. I watched him against Estonia for Belgium. And the reason I wanted to is because he played a lot of minutes in that game and I wanted to see him over, like I wanted to see him in, in, in a game over that period of time. And I watched him against Angers at the end of last season as well. And it was good as well because he was back to full fitness. You know, he was running, he was running at players. He has this unbelievable, he's this crazy move that uh, he does almost like a John McGinn. He receives the ball, but he's back to the player that he, that, that he's receiving the ball from. And he sticks the arse like John McGinn does. And next thing he rolls them and goes on the outside towards the, the touchline side and then scampers away from them. You kind of have to see it. You, you, you'll be able to, to, to kind of pick up what I'm, what I'm throwing down when I, when I mention it. But when you see it, 
he actually does it quite a lot. And it's a, it's a pre-prescribed move that he does, but he's really good at it. And his close control is really good so that he's able to get away from players in that instance. But the reason I brought up that I watched the game against uh, Estonia is Belgium played three at the back and Arthur Tiak played over on that left-hand side. And Jeremy Doku was able to pull into, was, was like that wide, wider type midfielder. But he, at times he also looked like a kind of a, a wing back as well on that left-hand side. Not saying he's coming in here to play as, play as a wing-back. I'm just mentioning that, you know, he seems to be able to play further back the field more often than he does play further up the field from that winger position. So I know I've got forward in here. I'm really trying to convince myself that he could play as a second striker just based on these numbers. But if I was to be truthful, and as I say, um, that's all I ever tried to be here, is uh, that he's probably better um, back in that uh, in that wide that that uh, wide midfielder role if we were to go with a more linear kind of setup in midfield. Now, saying that, as I say, the reason that I'm trying to convince myself is because we're going to start at the bottom of these statistics here, and they're damn impressive when you look at the when you look at the shooting statistics. They're really impressive. Granted that these are based on a lower number of minutes um, for that because he he he. Um, he missed some time last season. So um, whenever you use FB ref, there's something that you always need to be kind of conscious of as well is what it does. And that's, this is why I use it because it takes a lot of the algorithmical kind of calculations or whatever out of it for me. So basically what it does is it tries and it categorizes his percentiles against other players based on them and based on him playing a certain amount of minutes. So the amount of minutes that he played last season um, equates to 1,500 uh 1500 odd minutes so what this does is it pulls the statistics based on 1500 minutes aggregates it out for every other player and sees where you would fit in based on that and when we look at the sh shooting statistics here 90 percentile for, for the amount of shots taken um for midfielders uh not attacking midfielders just normal midfielders within uh within uh, 90 minutes uh in the top seven percentile for shots on target um shot creating actions are, are through the roof goal creating actions absolutely through the roof there as well and, um, you know, that's what I want to see. And that's what I want to draw my attention, draw your attention to. And that's why I'm trying to convince myself that he could maybe play as that support striker. But when you watch him play, and this is, again, is another little piece that I would always say is that you have to marry the numbers with your eyeballs as well at the same time. Josh Norris, I see you in there. Uh, you're saying that I look sharp from a fresh trim. Good to see Villa on Sunday. Can't wait. Josh, I want to get you on the podcast next week. So if you watch Villa on Sunday... I'm going to let you do a little spoiler. Limerick are playing the All-Ireland Hurling Final. I'm going to see it. And if Limerick win, we could have a very interesting team sheet tantrum and a very interesting, um, I could have a very interesting trip home as well because I might not be the most sober man in the world if, uh, for the team sheet tantrum if Limerick win. But I might need you to remind me, Josh, later on next week if you're, if you're willing to come on uh, to, to chat about the game. Might need you to remind me what went on uh, for certain parts of that game. Um, but as Josh will know from doing a lot of scouting on NFL players and, and for anybody who's interested in the NFL, get to the underdog as well for uh, Josh's, uh, Josh's channel and Josh's um, uh, website there as well. Second to none draft scouting stuff. But you have to marry the numbers with your eyeballs because uh, numbers will lie and your eyes will lie. And somewhere in between the middle is where you will find the truth. And, you know, that's why no one can ever be sure about a player. Specifically, when you look at a data sheet, you can't be sure about a player. And when you look at when you're watching a player as well, four different people could have four different opinions. All you got to do is 
all you got to do is bring Brennan Johnson up in conversation and that will be proven. You know, the four different people who have four different opinions about what he's good at. And while that's not a bad thing or a good thing, you know, it's about finding out where, where the, uh, I suppose, where the median of that lies and then taking, be, being informed enough to take your chance on it. Um, so with somebody like Jer- Jer- Jeremy Ducker, as I say, I watched that Estonia game. Very, very direct running. He played on the left-hand side, as I mentioned. We see his heat map here for Stadrin on the right-hand side predominantly. He's he's ambidextrous, I suppose, really, uh, playing either side. Um, but he was... And, and the reason I bring up Estonia in this international game, there was meant to be a madness of watching it because Belgium should have been ball-dominant. You'll hear me talking about this. Villa want to become ball-dominant. And I think Villa, towards the end of last season, became more ball-dominant than we've seen previously. I think into next season, we will see us try and retain possession an awful lot more and then utilise outlets like Jeremy Doku, like uh, Alex Moreno, like you know these outlets to kind of break past those lines or even pass through the lines with more, more progressive passers that we've brought in with Pau Torres, Tielemans and Douglas Louise, who looks like bang on form again, like straight into the season, looks bang on form um, and bang up to speed with regards to what we saw against Wall saw as well so when i watched that game against estonia you know he, he basically he just berated that right back which he should do um because that you know they would be expected to win belgium now estonia would be no pushovers and they would have come to um come to defend 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 in that game and uh and they did that but he ran at the rather ran at them constantly so i kind of went and i watched sporadic kind of clips on white scout of his performance then against austria which would be a step up i would I hope we've no Estonians here that are are going to be too um, uh, offended over that. But we played played against uh, Austria in a one all draw, and he's running start. So the difference that I found was his position of his start of running. So against against Estonia, he was up a bit higher. He received the ball higher. He was able to go directly at that right back, get to the end line, cross a few balls in, more than a few. He was he was very very um, uh, productive in the time that he played in that game. Against Austria, what happened was, as I mentioned, he was kind of more in that wide midfielder slash almost wingback role. So he's picking the ball up further or closer to his own goal. Oh, not in that left back position, but you know what I mean. Maybe on the halfway line, he was picking the ball up and he was playing against better defensive caliber players. And I found that when he picked the ball up further from goal, that he got more opportunity to build up speed and you could see more tricks and there's one or two runs. Now, he got stifled a, a bit in that game. He wasn't as productive. But there were one or two runs that you looked at and you went, this guy can think in his feet. He's got good ball control and he's very nimble. Um, he gets there, there was one, one instance where he took on two or three players, got a lucky break. And when he got that lucky break, he knew, uh, he knew that he had gotten lucky. So he shifted the ball out into space towards the uh, the end line and they turned on the afterburners and beat a guy out around the outside got to the end line and, and, and laid in a lovely cross but there was no one there to get on the end of it when uh, there was no one there to get on the end of it I think Bashwai just misses it um, by a hair's breadth as it goes across the across the box but just a couple of instances there where I thought that he was uh, he was impressive against two different teams, two teams that would like to defend as well. Obviously, one of a higher caliber, and at international football, we know it can be a slower pace, can be a bit more stodgy as well. Um, but it was interesting to see him be able to inject that little bit of pace into the game for Belgium um, in, in in that game as well. And then I watched the club game. I watched the uh, uh, watched all his touches, should I say, from the club game against Angers, and. Uh, I can't remember how they got on in that game. They won anyway, but I can't remember what the what the final score was. Um, but he was quite impressive in that game as well. Um, he scored, and um, 
he was just he was just a nuisance once again playing on that left hand side. Um, and uh, if you guys can find that on YouTube, I'd like you to go and watch that game. Uh, they they were the better team throughout that game, but he was involved in quite a lot of uh, key key moments in that game. And without going through it. I would like if you guys can find that on YouTube. You can, if you can find highlights of that game on YouTube, I would I'd get you to go and watch it. See what you think of him in 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 his natural habitat within League One, and have a look at it from there as well. Because I thought he was quite impressive. And once again, that's only three game sample set of a short period of time over the last three hours. But you know, you can get a feel for a person like that. You can get a feel for a player like that. And granted, as I say, that I did see him against Leicester in 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 the in in Europe. Um, this season as well, so uh, it's it's not like he was coming into this blind because he's a player of great repute and somebody that uh, has been known from a very very young age uh, as well to be pretty decent. Um, like sh shooting tweets, absolutely. You know, we already have Bailey with the hamstring injuries. Fine. Not everybody is built the same way. Just because one person has hamstring injuries doesn't mean the next person has them as well. Um, I would go so far as to say that if I'm not mistaken. Robbie Keane might have had hamstring injuries in his early in his early career. Um, and so did Mike Lohan. Mike, we know how Mike Lohan's career ended up when he was plagued by hamstring injuries. Robbie Keane went on to play until a, a decent age, I'm going to say, at a, at a high level, and he didn't miss too many games as well. So it's all differences of players. You know, one hamstring injury doesn't write off a person's career. Ten hamstring injuries doesn't really write off a person's career. I suppose it's all about um, how bad those are. And I'm not in a doctoral position or a physiotherapy position to be able to say that, but it's just worth noting, you know, based on that. Because once again, as I say, it's about bringing everything to the table so that you guys can make up your own mind on this as well. Um, as Josh says, it should never be between analytics and tape. The answer lies somewhere in between, as you just said. And that's even before knowing the person or the medicals. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Jeremy Ducker could be a thunder and bollocks, like for all we know, and he might fit into the team structure at all. That is, I, I'm not saying he is, I have no idea if that's the case. He could be the nicest man in the whole planet. But, you know, it's if anybody who's watched Ted Lasso recently, uh, the recent episode of Ted Lasso, or recent episodes, should I say, of Ted, Ted Lasso, Zava comes in, no one really knows what to make of him, and, and, and the whole kind of squad rallies around him, and then he don't rally around him, then they don't know what's happened with him, and, you know, it becomes all about him. You know, who knows what those inter-squad dynamics are, as John, Josh says there as well. Now, being a younger player, I would imagine that's not going to be much to the fore, but you still need to, to get a feel of who the player is, and that's why they bring them in for talks and so on. And as you said, medicals would be very, very important as well, given these last 24 months. But looking at his, at his statistics here, as we can see, he's quite productive from the point of view of shot-creating actions, goal-creating actions. And while we've been looking at players with progressive passing abilities over the last few last few, um, few months, I suppose, with Unai Emery, and we've brought two of them in, we do need people to create those chances too um, when those balls do come to them. You know, those progressive pass abilities, get them up to these guys, to the likes of Doku, maybe Leon Bailey 2.0 next year is, uh, is a completely different beast. Um, and uh, and we can progress that ball forward then by people running at teams as well, creating these actions, goal creating and shot creating actions. Because he's off the charts with these. Like in Europe's top five leagues, he he's he's right up there with the best. Um, actually, I'll try and get uh, I'll try and see who the best actually is. Like also as well with regards to carries into the final third. Um, with regards to carries into the final third, he's in the top ninety nine. He's in the top one percentile. Um. For whatever reason, I can't see who the um who the best person is there either. I think it's all frozen up here on me. 
Um, but it's not going to make great, great podcasting. So I let you guys go and check that out yourselves um, afterwards. Um, it, it, it will be another, another avenue of attack, should I say, for us. Um, if we were to get somebody who can progress the ball or run with the ball like this guy can, because dribbles attempted, just look at it there. 10, 11 dribbles almost per, per uh, 90 minutes is ridiculous amount of dribbles attempted. Like when he gets the ball, he's going to try and beat a man. And maybe that's what Aston Villa need. And I think that is what they need, whether they need to break, whether they need it for breaking down teams or whether they need it on the counter attack, which Aston Villa have shown that they find it difficult to break teams down, but also that they can play on the counter-attack. Traditionally, that's the way Aston Villa have been. Somebody like this might be good uh, to have a, as a change of pace player, for sure. Um, here is how he looks again, uh, when we put him up against the, the players that we've been linked with so far. Harry Barnes of this world in white. Uh, Diaby himself is in red there. That's why I have him standing out so much more than the rest of the, the other players. And then Mohamed Koulos, who's kind of a bit of a cheat in there because he is more of a striker, played more as a number 10 over the course of last season as well. So with regards to Jeremy, there is, oh, I removed myself by mistake. With regards to Jeremy Doku, there is, um, like, once again, if there's any truth to the rumor in it, um, profile-wise, he is the, 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 the profile of player. Like, we are looking for those true, speedy um dribble first uh wingers like the Nico Williamses, the um the Musa Diabis, um and uh and the Jeremy Dokus that were here Jeremy Doku fits in with that that uh blend of player um if we're looking for somebody who can transcend maybe two or three different positions yes Doku can play on both flanks but can he play up top as that second striker that's why I put it in there um, Statistic-wise, you can see it there. I've not seen much of him playing there. If anything, I've never, I've never, like, I've never looked at a game specifically to to see if he has played there. But you know, he does seem to be somebody who, who hugs the touchline and plays to his strengths as a twenty twenty-one year old player. That's what we normally tend to see. See what they do, and he does that because he's a really, really good dribbler of the ball. Can he become that player in future? I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to make a, a, a prediction on that. And um, so, if we were to bring him in here. Um, he would be that he would be a wide midfielder slash uh, slash winger uh, type player uh, that would come into this squad and be like, he should be effective. Like he's his skill set that we can see here has been effective year on year um, decade on decade in the Premier League. Um, it's all about can the player or, or can, can Unai Emery, could Unai Emery get it out of him? And I think that every single person here will say, well, based on all available evidence, that would be the case because he's made he's made some uh, silk purses out of some sow's ears um, of people who weren't looking like they could turn things around last year. And they did, and they become re became really, really important players for us as well. So uh, it's it's an interesting one. We'll take we'll keep an eye on it. As I say, I don't expect Jeremy Doku to be in an Aston Villa shirt. Um, I expect the Musa Diaby one to, um, and the only reason I, I, I expect it is because I think it's further down the line, obviously. Um, but uh, either or will be will be a type of player that I think the squad needs as a ball carrier and a um, a pace option because we are uh, not the paciest of teams at times, and we do lack uh, genuine threat threat with, with regards to ball carrying from deep in our team so um, it's good to do now is looking at those as well going to leave it at that everybody thanks so much everybody for joining today please, please give us a thumbs up and a like if you do enjoy that Paddy is back in the world again so I might get him on to chat uh, a little bit about what his thoughts are uh, tomorrow if he's around 
But uh, until then, everybody, uh, thank you so much for everything. Please stay safe, stay healthy. And all that's left to say is up the mighty villa. Podcast Network.